Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Chelsea Waxler. Chelsea lives in Columbus, Indiana with her fiance, Chris. She is the older sister to brother Braxton, who is 20 years old and on the autism spectrum. After being able to witness firsthand the success her brother has had with his therapies, she found herself being drawn to autism therapy and wanted to provide high quality services to families in her own community. As a board certified behavior analyst or a BCBA and the owner and founder of Kindred Ties Therapy in Columbus, she has proudly supported some truly amazing kiddos and their families. Personally, Chelsea is an avid IU Hoosiers basketball fan, proud cat mom, and lover of all things fall. You can learn more about Braxton's story, her sibling support group, and more about the services her company offers at the kindredtiestherapy.com website or through her Facebook page. Please enjoy my conversation with Chelsea. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. Um, next up in my sibling series is Chelsea Waxler. And um, I am really excited to talk to her because she is in her 20s and uh, as is her brother. So it's always nice to get a perspective from varying ages, as you guys have heard on all the other episodes. Um, it's it's nice to get perspective from, from all genders and all ages. So Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, I always like to ask everybody to give me a little bit of background about you personally, and then maybe you can share some things about your brother, Braxton. So okay. what's going on with you? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So I'm Chelsea. I live in Columbus, Indiana, so not too far from you mm-hmm. um, with my fiance, Chris, and um, my brother, as you mentioned, Braxton, he is now 20 years old. Um, and so I've had the pleasure of watching him grow up as his older sibling. There's just the two of us. So um, it's been a pretty close relationship there. Um, about me. Okay. Uh, I am the uh, founder of Kindred Ties Therapy here in Columbus. So after kind of navigating school and trying to decide um, where my heart was lying as far as kind of what I wanted to do day to day, I was just really drawn to autism services. And so, um, you know, my story kind of is a full circle in that I ended up kind of making my way back to the therapies that I saw my brother having um, and kind of supporting families in my community. So that's been really exciting. Um, fun things. Um, I'm a cat mama um, and <laughs> a huge IU 
basketball fan, go Hoosiers. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So what does the services that you're, is it a company? Um, do you have other therapists working under you or, or what is yeah. it that you're, you're doing and offering? Great question. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm a um, BCBA or a board certified behavior analyst. And okay. so I do have some um, registered behavior technicians or RBTs working under me. Um, and we are a smaller clinic, just trying to provide a little, um, you know, group and quality therapy that we can, um, in our community. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to find any therapies anymore. It seems like even when Skylar was three and we were kind of getting out of first steps and we were looking for ABA was really new. So we had someone come to our house actually at that point, but even speech was one of the hardest to get services on because the wait lists were so long and there just weren't enough therapists to go around. So I imagine, you know, just anyone opening any kind of services, let alone ABA is really needed. In, yeah. in Columbus for sure. And, and in our area, we don't have much for Indiana services as people have heard I me complain. <laughs> I know. I agree. And it's funny you mentioned that too, with Skylar being kind of similar to Braxton's age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think these therapies have definitely, you know, immersed and kind of grown as the need and demand has um, happened. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with him being five years younger than you, um, and like you said, you saw all the therapies he was going through and is he remind me is he nonverbal or is he fully verbal and where is he on the spectrum great question so he is um fully verbal now um we had kind of the typical regression story with braxton so when he was younger he was babbling beginning to speak and then we lost all of that so we were kind of doing sign and things um through all this therapies have grown to him being fully verbal now um i would say he's on the more moderate side of autism um you know we definitely have our little quirks and things um and i think too just as far as schooling and things when we were looking out where he would kind of land. Um, you know, we're not at the typical 12th grade reading level and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. so just kind of having to navigate those things. Gotcha. So you yeah. saw all of the therapies that he was doing and just kind of, you know, probably drugged to some of that stuff, even though you were older than him, I'm sure you <laughs> yeah. had your fair share of waiting rooms and, and being, have people come in and out of your house and all of that. Yeah. So were you kind of always an integral part of raising him sort of, it seems like the older siblings just kind of take on this protector role and they want to help out and be a second mama kind of to him. Was that how you guys were growing up? Yes, I definitely was, especially when he was born, just so eager to be (laughs) the helper. I wanted to be his second little teacher. Um, But yeah, I was, you know, definitely wanting to learn these things. Um, So I wanted to sit in on his sessions. I was lucky enough to be able to, um, especially early on, um, and just being inspired by these people who would come in and just get my brother to say things that we were working on so hard and they could do Mm -hmm. it so quickly. And um, yeah, I think it was just kind of something where I saw what was the progress there um, and was really inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Did you, did your relationship change for better or for worse as you kind of got into teen years? I'm sure there's a point with any sibling <laughs> autistic or not, where you're like, you're bugging me. Like I need my space, my stay out of my stuff, my room, like whatever. Yeah. Did you guys ever kind of go, fall in and out of, you know, spending time together and Sure. Come back yeah, that's a that. good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely when he was younger, I was just wanting to, you know, play with the cute baby and, and see all those things. I would say it kind of got difficult for us. And being too, that I'm eight years older, it was never something. Oh, you're eight. I really, okay. I thought yeah. you were five. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. So it was something where I, you know, we weren't really always playing the same things, but I did 
not have that typical relationship of being able to pick on my brother or kind of that sarcasm um, just because, you know, he may not understand exactly what that is or what I'm saying. Um, but no, it kind of went to not annoyance, but just re recognizing I had my busy schedule with school and my extracurriculars. And, um, you know, my parents were very much at that time navigating what are we going to do long term? What does that look like? Um, graduation plan, therapies, independent living, like what's the goal for him? So they were kind of in that realm. And I was off doing my own thing, getting prepped for college and things. Um, but now our relationship's great. It's like I have a really cool friend. Um, he's just the coolest dude. Um, and it's kind of like I'm not as cool anymore since he's, you know, a young adult. I'm not the cool sister that he likes gets excited to hang out with. But uh, we definitely have our, our times, too. So. So now did your parents, was there a point that they brought you in on the conversations about the future? Um, because again, that's something that I get asked a lot about. Like if I had that discussion with my daughter, Kendall, mm -hmm. she's only 18. I mean, we've talked about things, but yeah. as I've said on other episodes, my goal is to have his trust in place, which we do and like figure out the future stuff and lay it all out. And it, hopefully he's already living somewhere else, if that's the plan or involved in other programs, if that's the plan. And she just kind of has to oversee it when we're not here to yeah. do it. I don't expect her to jump into mothering him. That's yeah. not fair. You know, I want her to kind of have her own life. So have they brought you into that conversation? And, and when did that kind of occur? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, they brought me in as far as just understanding autism really early on. So okay. I was 11 when he was diagnosed at age three. Um, and that actually we had a really great opportunity to go to a like two week ABA training, just kind of about autism after the diagnosis. Um, and they had a sibling portion. So I was brought along oh, that's cool. um, near the end. And so they were kind of explaining, this is what your brother has. And I was watching the therapy happen as my parents are learning about it too. Um, so I kind of got the autism kind of explanation there. Um, as I've gotten older, obviously I'm kind of, you know, taking on a little bit more of that guardianship role. We have talked, you know, as far as guardianship, wills, things like that, um, making sure I understand his benefits, especially through the waiver services that Indiana fortunately has, and just understanding how to navigate the social security aspect and all of these things that are inevitably going to fall on me. And that's something I appreciate you bringing up because the sibling relationship is the longest relationship most people with disabilities have. Right. Um, and so I just, especially as I kind of navigate my own sibling support, and I try to definitely incorporate that into what I offer because that's my lived experience. Um, just making sure that parents feel comfortable communicating these things earlier on. Um, don't wait until, you know, you're kind of reaching an age or there's a situation, mm -hmm. um, but just kind of including that sibling throughout because otherwise they don't really know what's going to be expected of them. And you can't just assume that they know that, you know, all of these things will eventually land on you or how you want that relationship to be. Like you mentioned, like you don't expect Kindle to do that, um, all of it. Right. But just kind of where does she fit in and just having that open conversation, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thankful my parents have kind of included me in on that. So I know what to expect. And I'm honestly eager and, and so blessed and, and hopeful that I get to take on that role for him as I move forward. Um, there's what else would I really, you know, do that my family, that's just, just how we roll. Like I, I'm going to do that for him because mm -hmm. I don't want to watch him have to navigate things without somebody that he, he can trust and love. So, yeah. Is that a conversation, this is kind of a side note, I guess I was thinking yeah. since you're engaged, is that something that you brought up to your boyfriend once you knew it was kind of a, a long-term thing and you guys were going to be together? Mm -hmm. 
just about your brother and did you educate him just the quirks or the whatever? So when he came to your house for the first time and met Braxton, he wasn't surprised (laughs) by anything. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. If you could tell in our photo, Braxton, his demeanor, he's a six foot three giant compared to me. So yeah. Um, you know, I think in, he can be kind of quiet and shy with people he doesn't know, but in his own home, he is rocking back and forth and stimming through the house. And so Mm -hmm. it is a personality and a presence. Um, so I definitely gave him the forewarning on that, but, um, yeah, it's actually really sweet that you brought that up. So my, um, fiance, Chris, he, um, back when was talking to his parents about wanting to propose to me, his parents kind of brought that up and we had talked about it time to time, um, from time to time, but, um, his parents brought that up of, you realize this is going to be, you know, a long-term thing with their their brother as well. And he, which makes me teary eyed, but he just said, I know it's a package deal and I'm in on it. So Mm. he knows that, you know, long-term it's going to be the two of us. And so, um, yeah, he, he welcomes that with open arms, which I'm really appreciative of. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that a lot on episodes and just uh, between parents when, parents are single and they're trying to date. You know, when, yeah. when I met my current husband, that was the exact Which words I used. Fabulous. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. But I use that same, you know, terminology, like we're a package deal. So if this scares you at all, then this is just, it's okay. You have every right to be scared or not want to yeah. sign on for this, but I just need to know that ahead of time. Cause I don't, you know, I just don't want anyone around us that flinches at anything. So, right. um, you know, when, when we think of siblings, that's something that is also future planning that we don't mm-hmm. realize it has to be a discussion. You can't just assume that your partner is going to want to be an avid part of having your brother move in with you guys or whatever it is. Some people yeah. are not okay with that. So sadly you have to talk about it in advance. So I, I know. And I, I appreciate you saying that too. Like if there is that hesitation then it's just probably not going to be the right fit. Honestly, yeah. I hate saying that, but, uh-huh. um, this is, you know, our lives and our lived experiences. And you know, more than anyone, you know, that like, I can't, I'm not going to change what we have going. And yeah. um, so you kind of got to fit the mold. <laughs> yeah. What's needed. Yeah. Well, Chris sounds amazing. So <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, um, so, you know, is there something that you've learned? Obviously you learned a lot about ABA and, and it st- struck your interest um, in making yeah. that your career and, and, uh, helping families with autism um, for the future. Is there something that you can really hone in on that that you learned from growing up with your brother and in that household, maybe from your parents or maybe just about yourself? I mean, the word resilient is thrown around a lot. And I think that is so fitting for siblings because an empathy and all of those things, do you, mm-hmm. do you find that you're just a different person in the, in the world because of the amount of all of those skills that you inherited from just yeah. living and, and learning to navigate around someone that needs extra help, if that makes that's any a, sense. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I feel like this is something where it sounds like I'm like tooting my own horn. Um, but you should. I, <laughs> but I just, I think I'm definitely super empathetic. And what I mean by that, and I know that, like, like you said, that word's thrown around a lot. Um, you have no idea what's going on behind everyone's closed doors or Mm -hmm. what's going on in their personal lives. And I think us autism families know that more than anything, right? We are the family that had the meltdown in the car, but we're pulling up to grandma and grandpa's and we're going into this family event and we've got to pull together. And I think, um, you know, just understanding that there's a lot of struggle um, happening for everybody. And two, just, I think I really want to make sure that I am 
you know, implementing kindness wherever I go and, and, and promoting that. I always kind of root for the underdog. Um, you know, there's kids, and especially when you're in the middle school and high school years, just the kid getting picked on or the kid who is, you know, has a less fortunate situation and they're getting teased. I'm always going to be the one to speak up. I'm mm -hmm. always going to be the one to make sure that, Hey, they're being rude, but you can come sit with me. Um, because I don't know what's going on in people's lives. Um, and so I just really try to make sure that I'm, you know, supporting others and just making sure that they felt seen and heard. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that's a really big part too, especially with people with disabilities. I think they kind of get excluded a lot from conversations. So acknowledging someone at the special education classroom walks by, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to wave and smile just like I would with my friends. And so just, I think that's a part of it where you see the um, kind of perspective and almost become protective of people that maybe are kind of um, excluded from the typical conversations and inclusion so mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's not something that you're inherently taught it's just no. you <laughs> develop that and that's why yeah. I think it's, siblings are just so remarkable and I mean I hate that you guys have to go through a lot of the things where our mm -hmm. attention sometimes is split up and not fairly evenly distributed sometimes in in the home but just everything that you guys have to go through and put on a brave face it really speaks volumes of you as adults, because especially going into the uh, the industry, so to speak, with therapy and yeah. things, I think you could bring so much to the families that come to your facility because you can relate on a different level. And so, like you said, if they pull up and the mom, you can tell, is probably sweating and crying because she got her hair pulled on the drive or something, you guys don't react Whereas some, some people that are in this industry that don't have personal experience, they look at it like this is eight to four, I'm out of here at four and I'm just going to deal with this yeah. kid hitting me today. I, they just don't necessarily have the, the compassion that they need. They're annoyed. Yeah. And so I think you can <laughs> at least relate that to your RBTs and to people that yeah. work for you and maybe give them a different perspective. Yeah, um, I definitely parents. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely strive for that. And I think, you know, I sometimes have the phone calls of, hey, we're running a little bit late today. It's been a morning. I don't need further explanation. I got you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can understand what your morning is. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think too, um, I just, with that being said, I really try to focus on the family as a unit. I think right. a lot of times with certain therapies, yeah, you can drop them off and they get, you know, XYZ therapy and then they get in the car and you get a little written sheet and that's it. Like you don't get much explanation and, or how can I use this at home? And so um, I was fortunate enough to see Braxton doing in-home therapy, sensory based. So I got to kind of see all of it, um, which helped us carry that over. And I like to see what's going on. How can I help? Um, and then also the sibling side too. That's a big part of what, why I kind of started Kindred. I wanted to support the family and that includes the siblings too. So kind of making sure they have an avenue to talk about the good and not so good. Um, and I think that's a, an important piece too, is just acknowledging that there's sometimes the not so good and having a safe space to communicate that. A lot of times um, I read your book and I, I like the part too, where you talk about how we kind of have that perfectionist, the siblings do. And when you, I related so much when you're talking about just kind of that anxiety of I need to be a straight eight student and do all these things. Um, that's a lot of pressure sometimes. And I think we're not going to disclose that to you all uh, as parents. Um, so just having a safe avenue. And sometimes your my friends especially didn't really have a younger siblings. I was kind of the odd one out or then also having a sibling with disabilities. And so um, having a safe space with, with people who can understand 
that situation um, and kind of relate to it too is big. So yeah, thanks for saying well, that. Well, I mean, I guess on that note, um, on that topic of, you know, maybe parents don't know necessarily, at least in my experience with Kendall, she doesn't, she never complains and she never, yeah. even when we have to revert plans to something else because it's just not a good day for Skylar and we have to, I'll go with her and then my husband will bring Skylar home or whatever. Yeah. She doesn't complain. She just kind of chalks it up as like, this is just my life. This is what it is. Right. Is there anything that maybe your mom and dad did or how do parents engage with their kids? Cause I could ask her a million times and I have like, are you upset because of your brother, this, or are you just hiding in your room because he pulls your hair and you just want to be away from it. And that was her, that was her, um, method of dealing, I guess. She just mm -hmm. always went to her room. And then as soon as he goes to bed, she knows that he's in bed and her, she comes right out of her room and hangs out with us. She just didn't want to be around it. Um, you know, in high school and stuff, she just was sick of dealing with being hit or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I don't fault her at all for that, but it makes me sad as a mom. Cause I feel like I should have done more and I should have like forced her to talk to me or whatever. So do, is there anything your parents did that made you feel okay to go to them? Or would you wish that they had come to you more thinking back yeah. on it, like, and asked you how you were feeling? What do we do? <laughs> what do moms and dads do? <laughs> well, A, I cannot um, fathom raising a teenager. So first, yeah, you know, that's a huge thing. Um, they probably don't want to talk to you regardless. Um right. But yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think the checking in is important. I don't think it will typically be led by a sibling. Honestly, we know you guys have a lot on your plate. So to then come Fair. to you and say, hey, this was annoying. That's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> like we know that you've got a lot going on. And mm -hmm. so I, I never really felt comfortable, you know, saying that. I think later on, um, and maybe you'll experience this too. It was more so once I was kind of established on my own a little bit and kind of removed from the family unit that I could share like, hey, that did kind of bug me or um, just having those healthy conversations. But when we're both removed from that type of situation and I'm not, this sounds like it's like super traumatic, but just saying like, hey, you know, when my band competitions were going on and you guys never showed up because it was too loud for Braxton, that kind of hurt my feelings. And, you know, they were able to be like, oh gosh, I can see how that happened. I think in the moment it would have been like, well, we're doing this, you know, it can kind of be almost accusatory in that manner. And so right. I think it was healthier to talk about it later on. Um, but yeah, I think just checking in if you can, I think if anything, if they're not comfortable sharing, they'll appreciate the, um, you know, reach out. Um, yeah. and then just really too. And I, in your book, you mentioned that you guys had kind of like your movie nights and your time after Skylar was asleep. And I think that's so important is just setting aside that time with your quote, quote, typical kiddo, mm -hmm. um, not my favorite term, but right. um, just making sure that there are those moments where the attention is on them. Um, you know, and two, I think there are obviously accommodations that have to be made for the sibling with, with autism. Right. And we know that. But I think if there is a very important day, so let's say Kindle's graduation or my graduation was a big one where I just heard, unfortunately, a lot of conversation be still about Braxton. And as much as I was just, you know, I want him there. I want him to be happy as well. 
can I just not hear about it on my, in my day? If that kind of makes sense. That I know makes it total selfish. sense. No, it doesn't. And that's the stuff that we need yeah. to hear. And, and I think that I'm making it all about her. I mean, the big open house and the yeah. party. And I asked her, do you want him at your graduation? Cause if not, I mean, Josh is always willing to like step yeah. aside, which isn't fair, but she understood that no parent's going to want to miss the graduation. And so yeah. they sat on the floor in, in his stroller and they stayed kind of away. Um, he was there to see her and, and yeah. then they let, and we told her they're going to leave after you get walk across the stage. Um, and luckily she was early cause she was the top five in her class. So she went Ooh, across yes, girl. <laughs> I know perfectionism, but, um, so they left, but she knew I was there. Her grandparents were there. Everybody was there. So I think yeah. she was okay with it, but you make a very valid point because I think we think we're making it about them and we end up talking about Skylar or your or Braxton in your case. So yes. I yeah, don't even just, think about it. Yeah. And we know, and I think that it, that's just like a very minor thing. Right. But it's just, I think in hindsight, those are the types of things that are just kind of the little pain points of like, oh, that's kind mm-hmm. of another thing that we have to kind of think about, but it's not the end of the world. It's just something that can kind of, I guess, pick at you a little bit. And then as Mm -hmm. I got older, those were the things that I almost resented were those types of moments. Um, but yeah, but I think it's helpful for you when you got comfortable to say it, like, even if it was just this year or last year to say, you know, Hey, that, that kind of upset me because if we don't know, we can't apologize. Like it would kill me if Kendall's like 40 and she's bringing up a dance recital from when she was 16. And I didn't know because I want the opportunity not to defend not being there or whatever it is, but to say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. If I could change that or do it over, I would. And I hope that that would be enough for her to go, okay, I understand. I just wanted you to know how it felt. Not that I can fix it or repeat it, you know, differently, but I think it's important to bring up. Yeah. And I won't speak for her, obviously, but I think that's just the thing. I would, we don't need the apology. I think, I think that's, you guys are doing the best you can. And we I know see that, we still right? feel bad. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody, we're seeing how hard you guys are working and, and all that you're putting into it. So, um, yeah, I think if anything, it's just almost like a release and then popping that balloon and letting it go. Like, yep, that's it. So that's fair. Yeah. That's a fair statement. Aww. Um, so now that, that Braxton is, um, you know, conversational and and able to communicate with you, are there things that you guys like doing? Do you do things with him as adults? Like, do you take him to dinner or do you hang out with him or do you guys not have that kind of relationship? I didn't know if he's comfortable going places with just you. Yep. Yeah. So that's a great question. Yep. I definitely watch him on the weekends. My parents, um, started going on trips and things and I, yeah, I definitely wrote that in my notes too. Just back in the day, it used to be Braxton. That was their world. And yep. so, you know, our social events were going to Thanksgiving and Lord, we were holding on for <laughs> dear life to get there. So it wasn't very relaxing when you think about all the things that had to go on prior, the food prep and the packing. And, um, but yeah, so they finally have started to kind of focus on their relationship too, which is really cool Love for it. me to see. So I'm more than happy to watch Braxton if it means my mom can go celebrate her birthday and not have to have that stress and things like that. Um, so yeah, we like to play board games. He's super into board games, which is Aww. great. That's what I grew up on. So I'm like, heck yeah. Um, and he's really into good music. I'm, and I, Skylar too, I saw in your book, he loves some hip hop and things. So we like to have some dance parties. Um, he likes to sit, swing on a sensory swing while I'm down there with them. 
But yeah, so we like to play games. I would say he is more of a homebody, which I'm not mad at. I'm a, I'm a homebody too. Um, but we've gone to movies together and things like that too. Sounds and like Starbucks. he's living his best life. <laughs> yes, Starbucks. I made him a Starbucks monster. He loves Starbucks now. Sorry. Oh, Mom that's dad, funny. But, it's so yeah. funny if you could ask him or if he would just say how he's feeling, but he's probably like, finally, the parents leave and like you and I can hang out. Like why have they been <laughs> yeah. hanging around so long? They should have yes. gone on dates long ago. Oh, geez. That is funny. Well, um, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your parents and, um, yeah. things, uh, just having conversations with them, you know, when you're an adult or later in life, is there anything that you, um, obviously they did an amazing job with both you and your brother and are still Thanks. doing an amazing job. Is there anything you'd like to say to them, you know, if they're listening just about them as parents to Braxton and to you and um yeah yeah well shout uh, out I know my <laughs> I know my parents are listening my mom is a huge fan of you Lord so oh, um, she's her. definitely listening no my parents um in the most PG way I can say this kicked absolute booty with my brother and Aww. and I just think everything we've been able to achieve both he and I is thanks to them and their hard work and just really um, focusing on, you know, improving his life. We moved states, we sought services, we fought IEP meetings. I mean, it's been a journey. And so I'm just honestly super, super proud of our little family unit for all we've done and gotten through together um, and done it with love and laughing and um, just really trying to stay strong. And there's been moments and I've seen them struggle and I've seen those hard times but just knowing that they're going to work together to navigate that all has been really inspiring, um, especially as I, you know, move into my own relationships and, and, you know, marriage and things like that, just knowing that there are going to be hard times, but being able to communicate that in a healthy way and including the village, the team um, of family is so important. And sometimes you have to make your own village. I mean, we had um, family members, especially early on who weren't really super receptive or understanding of what we were going through. So mm -hmm. just finding that community um, has been really great. And yeah, I, I'm really appreciative for them. They've really tried their best to just make our lives as easy as possible with all the nuances and oddities that we have to navigate. So yeah, it says a lot for you to come out um, with a lot of ideas and, and how to have a strong marriage just from watching them and everything that they've yeah. gone through, it gives you a really strong foundation for, you know, your marriage. And then eventually if you guys have children as a parent, I mean, I would hope that my daughter eventually says, gosh, you know, how did my mom handle all of this? Especially if she has <laughs> neurotypical kids and, and none with special needs, which I would hope for her. But even still, if she did have a child with special needs, I would hope that she would at least lean on a few things that I did and maybe go, well, I'm going to do this a little different than my mom did, but that we give them a foundation at least for the future. And they're not just going at it blindly. It's important yeah. to me that she see Josh and I laugh, that she sees us yep. disagree on things because I don't want to hide any of that from her and make her think that marriage is all giggles and like, we never have disagreements because <laughs> that's not normal. Um, right. you know, so I would, I would hope that we've at least through all of the things that we've gone through that are not typical, that yep. she would, you know, at least have taken some, some good things from it. I'm so. sure she has. I'm sure she has. Mm -hmm. As have you. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything you want to add before we end just about 
growing up with Braxton and, and things that you appreciate and love about him so much? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, and I know this can be a strong statement, but I just appreciate, um, how he is almost beautifully naive to the evil in this world. Yes. Um, he is authentically himself 110%. And I think that is something that others who maybe don't know him or just don't understand our world through, you know, the lens of autism can look at it as wrong or different, but just knowing that he is going to show his emotions on his sleeve and you're going to know when he's happy because he's going to be full body rocking and stimming and, and being excited. Or when he's sad, he's, you know, able to show you those things. And so he just hasn't been kind of tarnished by society's perception of what is normal. Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful to me. Um, and I'm so appreciative that he hasn't lost that. Um, I think with that too, he's just so, um, loving and not afraid to tell us. And thankfully we, we are at that point now where we can hear him, but he will tell me he loves me and how cool I am. And, and I mean, what 20 year old brother is telling his sister, sissy, I love you. You're so Aww. cool. Okay. I'll take that any day. Um, and I think if anything, he's just really taught me and my family to find enjoyment in the little things. Right. He can get so excited about having Chinese on Sunday. That is what he looks forward to all week. And he, you know, goes to bed at the same time every night and he's got his routines, but he is so happy with what he has and the, the comforts that he's found. Um, and I think that's important. Our life doesn't have to be this grand, you know, representation of all these big moments. It can just be being content and happy with what you, um, you know, have. And he's just so happy with, you know, his little, like characters that he loves and his videos and video games. He's just, he's found those things that bring him joy and he's not afraid to just fully enjoy them, which is really great. Um, yeah. That is so sweet. I agree with you a thousand percent. And my favorite <laughs> part of every day is waking Skylar up in the morning or going into his room when he's awake because he jumps up in his bed and we have a Dutch door. He'll lean on the yeah. Dutch door with a huge smile on his face. And we're like, good morning. And he starts laughing. I mean, every morning it's the same thing. He always is happy. Like that's going to be the best day of his life. And then tomorrow's going to be the best day of his life. He doesn't stress about anything. He just, yeah. you know, he smiles through everything. So I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I love I it so love much. That. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope to meet Braxton someday because you guys are not oh that far. Gosh. Maybe we'll have to yes. try to do a play date with the, with the guys. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'd be the best. I would does, love that. With music at least, but does Braxton like Elmo? Because he has to like Elmo's world or they can't do the does TV thing. Braxton love Elmo. We are Elmo family. Hey, we love yeah. Elmo. Yes. <laughs> well, let's schedule it. <laughs> yes. Well, Chelsea, thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate everything gosh. that you're doing in Indiana to help people with services for ABA. And um, I will link up any uh, way to connect with you and um, your business if people in the area want to check you out. So okay. um, I will do all of that, but thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, 
provide feedback and share living the skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.